Well, today I, or this evening, I wish to speak to you about a very solemn subject. And I suppose that last week I said the same thing, but it is always a solemn subject when we consider the Word of God. I propose to speak to you from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 32. We read, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. The prophet Jeremiah, alongside many other illustrative pictures, under the inspiration of the Spirit, in verse 32, he gives us a very poignant picture. He compares the sin of forgetfulness with a bride, a virgin, that forgets to put on her wedding apparel. The title for, for this sermon, or the subject that I want to address, is that soul-damning sin that is called forgetfulness. And my plea to all, to all of us, believers, self-professed believers, and unbelievers alike, would be that we would remember God while there is still time. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now there is certainly a lot to consider, a lot of different layers of meaning when we consider uh, the Middle Eastern context of this passage the culture of Jeremiah's day, in the culture of Jeremiah's day, a wedding ceremony was certainly uh, much more important uh, for the national life, for the family life, for the, for the, the local uh, village life than it is for us today. And yet we don't need to spend too much time considering that because even in our culture shunning uh, in our tradition shunning culture, we are able to understand what is being said here in this verse. Cast your mind to the last time you've been to a wedding. Don't know how long ago it was. Some of you, I presume, are planning on attending a wedding uh, fairly soon, I believe. Cast your mind to that day, whether it be in the past or in the future. As you sit uh, in the pews of the, or the chairs of the, of the chapel and everything is ready, everyone is there, all suited up. Uh, the, the bridegroom is in the, uh, in the front. I was going to say altar, but we don't believe that churches have altars. Uh, is in the front waiting for the bride. And the, the pianist is playing uh, some uh, interlude music just to fill the voids. And, and you hear or you see the usher in the back in the foyer signal to someone in the front and the person in the front comes and taps the, the pianist in the shoulder and he pauses from playing music and he starts, uh, after a brief pause, playing that uh, well-known tune, -da -da -da, the, the wedding tune, is it the uh, Here Comes the Bride tune. And you start to hear it and everyone gets up 
and normally the entrance uh, is in the back, so everyone tw uh, turns. I, that's my experience, at least. You, everyone turns and everyone starts getting on their uh, toes and, and twisting, trying to look over the, the, the person that was sitting behind them uh, to get a glimpse of the bride. And as the doors to the, to the sanctuary open, you look at the bride, and the bride is dressed with her, with her regular day-to-day -day clothes. Or perhaps she's dressed with her work uniform. Her, her hair is not all uh, beautifully uh, dressed up. Her hair is uh, tied up in a very functional matter, in a very functional way. What comes to your mind if you were to see this? I submit to you that even in our culture that doesn't prize tradition, in our culture that doesn't have all, all these cultural norms uh, that the Middle Eastern uh, culture of Jeremiah's day had, I would submit to you that you would be very surprised to see a bride coming in such a way to, the, to her wedding day. I would suggest that the likelihood in your mind that you would think that the bride forgot uh, in, the, in, in the midst of all the, the things that she was doing to put her bride's uh, their, her wedding dress on is very little. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be the thing that came up to your mind, would it? No bride forgets to put a wedding dress on. It's a day that takes months and months of preparation. Perhaps one of the first things that comes to the mind of every young girl when she thinks about her wedding day is, what am I going to wear on that day? I want this kind of dress. I want this kind of length of, of, uh, of whatever, the tail. And I want this kind of veil. And, and it would be foolish to think that someone would forget her dress would forget to put her jewelry on, would forget to, to uh, make, uh, uh, make up their hair, to go to the hairdressers. And that is very much what is being said here. That it is virtually impossible, if not downright unbelievable, that a, uh, a bride would forget to do this. And then come the, that, those daunting words from the prophet. And yet, my people forget me days without number. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. What is the point? That is an impossible thing to ask the mind to believe, but yet that's what's happening. That is what is being said here. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. If you saw the bride coming in such a state, you would say, oh, well, she's protesting. She, she, she is doing it intentionally. You would never assume that a bride would unintentionally forget about her wedding uh, dress. And what we are being told is that no one forgets about God unintentionally. That there is an active, intentional element to mankind forget about God. It is not just a matter of 
forgetting unintentionally that is being spoken of here. It is that active, intentional forgetfulness. And that, uh, that is why it is a soul-damning forgetfulness. I am told by uh, the oldest uh, within this congregation that as you get old, your mind starts to forget about things unintentionally. You, you just don't have that proclivity and that, that freshness of mind to remember everything that you read and everything that, that, that goes on. It is very much something that happens as you get older. Some of us don't even need to be older. I'm speaking personally. We forget about things. But what is being spoken of here is not that forgetfulness that you lock yourself out of the, of the home and you forgot the keys inside. What is being spoken of here is not that forgetfulness that you're in the, in, the, in the coffee shop and you leave your wallet there. You forgot about it. Those kind of forgetfulness, uh, those kind of forgettings are, are very serious. But the kind of forgetfulness that is being spoken of here is that kind of forgetfulness that is active. You don't want to think about it, so you cast it aside. You intentionally... Fill your mind with other things just so you don't have to think about the main thing. You forget about God because, because you don't want to think about God. So you fill your mind with everything else and anything else that can, you can. That is what is happening here. The Bible is full of warnings against this kind of forgetfulness. This kind of intentional forgetfulness of God. Forgetting about God is a soul-damning sin. Forgetting is to mistake or to make, that is, no consideration of him. Take him away from sight, away from mind. I don't want to think about it. I love my sin too much. I don't want this. I don't want to think about the, the judgment that is to come. I'm going to focus on my job. I'm going to... Stick my head in, 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 on the cell phone. I'm going to forget about anything else. And people lull themselves into this sense of being secure by forgetting actively and intentionally about God. And Israel here is set forth as an example to all of us, believers and unbelievers alike. My people forgotten me days without number. Notwithstanding all the graces that the people of God had received. Notwithstanding all the deliverances. Notwithstanding all the wonders that they had seen God perform over the centuries, over the years, on their behalf, for their sakes. So many interventions, miraculous. So many uh, prophets coming to them. Just like Jeremiah, the Lord says the prophets, and what do they do with the prophets? They kill them with their swords. Their swords, says verse 30, have devoured the prophets of God. Notwithstanding all the promises given by God to Israel, saying that you are my prized possession. I have chosen you. I have begotten you. Notwithstanding the many proofs of God's love, the promise of a coming Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior, notwithstanding all of this, because they loved the world too much, because they loved their sin too much, because they were so carnal, so fleshly, they forgot. But it wasn't that they forgot like you forget your keys. 
They actively put it aside from their minds. And this is proven by the the image given by the prophet, but it it is also proven by the word used by by the prophet Jeremiah. The word here in the Hebrew refers to an act of removing something from, from, from the head. It is not just that forgetfulness that you're so busy or you're so uh, uh, caught up with things that you forget about an important meeting. No, it, it's that active removing of knowledge from the forefront of one's mind intentionally, actively, acting upon it. The word here is the, word, the Hebrew word sakah. It is, uh, involves this having the knowledge in that sense and not acting upon it intentionally. It is used in many different contexts throughout Scripture. This word is used when it's talking about f- forgetting of sins. So the forgetting of sins, when we're talking about the sins of another towards us, or God speaking of the sins of, of the people towards him. God says, I sakah, I forget the sins. What is he saying? I actively, intentionally, not that it slipped the mind of God. No, he says, I actively and, and intentionally forgive it. I forget about them. It is an active undertaking. It is used on the other side about forgetting sins when it's talking about us forgetting our own sins. So in, uh, in Jeremiah 44, and since we're in Jeremiah, we, we might turn there. 44 verse 9, we read the following. Jeremiah 44. Have you forgotten the wickedness, wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of, your, of their wives, your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives? which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. The context here is they are sinning again because they have actively and intentionally forgotten about their sins, the sins of their fathers and their own sins. And because they forget, they they fall and repeat the same sin. In this context, in particular in Jeremiah, in this chapter, the forgetting of God is connected with idolatry. And there is an active element with idolatry. You forget about God, you take God out of the picture, you place God to the side, and you put other gods in his place. Now, most of us are much more sophisticated from, uh, than to have images and sculptures and, and, and trinkets that we idolize as the people in the days of Jeremiah. But I submit to you, that we often forget about God and commit the sin of idolatry, just like Jeremiah here says. Not to forget something, and this is me just giving you a context of the word forget. Not to forget something means keeping it at the forefront of your mind. Hence, the, the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, I forget not your statutes. What is it saying? I actively work to keep your statutes, your laws, your precepts, your words at the front of my mind. If you would read from Proverbs, in Proverbs you read exactly the same sentiment. Proverbs chapter um, 4 verse 5, the recommendation there is get wisdom. Get wisdom. The 
Solomon says, get understanding. Do not forget. Actively do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So remembering is, is that active action of not forgetting when we see this word being used. So this is not some kind of uh, unintentional this is the first point, if you would want to call it. The sin here being spoken is not just unintentional forgetfulness. It is that kind of forgetfulness that actively removes God from the picture. It's that suppressing of knowledge and truth. Paul speaks about this, doesn't he? Paul, in, the, in his letter to the Romans, he says, For the wrath of God... Is revealed from heaven against ungodly and unrighteous men. Because they suppress. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And the best picture here to understand how this suppress is an active and intentional suppressing. Is, is an illustration. It's kind of like when you're in a swimming pool. Or in the ocean or in a, in a, in a river. And you have a, a ball with you. And you pick up that ball and you push it down. You suppress it. But what happens if you release it? The ball jumps up again. The, the action here is uh, being conveyed as a continued suppressing, pushing it down and down, further down. We actively suppress, forget. Paul goes on to say, I'm sorry if I'm quoting a little bit at length, but this is so illustrative of what we are considering this evening. For since the creation of the world, he says, is invisible attributes. What is Paul here saying? You know that God exists. You know that he is real. You can suppress. You can forget. You can put, cast them aside. But you know, you look outside. Look at the stars. Look at the heavens. Look at the mountains. Look at the flowers. You know that God exists. Everything is seen. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. You cannot deny it. And what Paul goes on to say, you are without excuse. You didn't simply forget about God. You didn't simply forget to put your wedding uh, garment on. You actively forgot about it. You actively suppressed because although they knew God, he says, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Here again, the theme of idolatry and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They are worshiping the creature instead of the creator by doing this. And then he goes on to say, verse 27 and 28, Likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, man with man, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not, listen to what Paul says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Active, casting aside. God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting. So you see, forgetfulness 
is what makes us inexcusable. Because we are actively thinking of other things, filling our mind with all kinds of trivialities in this life. So we do not need to think about our duty. So we do not need to think about our future. And that is very much a result of the fall. It is in our nature to do that. It is in our nature to want to forget about God. We are broken. There is still an element, and that's why we are responsible. There is still an element of, of, of that that was placed there in the beginning. We still have a conscience, and that conscience speaks against us day in and day out, and we actively put it aside. But it's marred, it's maimed, it's broken, it's, it's unfixable by ourselves. It still has a resemblance of what it used to be or what it should be, but its faculties, its functionality does not work. It's as if you, pick, you drop your phone, that, that sinking feeling when your phone falls to the ground and you pick it up and the screen is shattered. It is still a phone. There is still a semblance of being a phone, but you start trying to, to work with it and it doesn't work. Why? Because it's broken. Perhaps the best illustration of this, the most uh, theologically accurate uh, illustration of this is a glass of water or a glass of something, but a glass that you drink water of. You drop it on the floor. All it shatters into a million pieces. All the pieces are still there. But the functionality of that glass is broken. It doesn't work anymore, does it? It doesn't fulfill its purpose. And so it is with the, with the conscience and with the nature of man because of the fall. It is still there. We still have a conscience, but our consciences are broken, dysfunctional. What is the only way that it can be put back together? To burn it and melt it all back, or to melt it all down and to build it back, to be recreated, a new creation. Oh, you can think that maybe you can glue all the pieces together, but they are too broken. No man can fix it, but God can fix it. And this is your life. And this is how you are outside of God. You're broken into a million pieces. Your faculty of remembering is marred and broken. You, only, you remember those things that you are, should forget. And you forget those things that you should remember. Isn't that what we see in this world? All the trivialities that fill the minds of the world. All the things that bear no profit whatsoever. Things that are completely needless and useless. And we fill the ma- our, our minds with it. Why? Because we want to cast aside God. Perhaps that's been you. God and it is, uh, your conscience every so often is stirred up. And, and you hear that, 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 that scary message. And you think, oh, this is me. Even as you hear the preacher preach, what do you do? You start thinking about tomorrow. You start thinking about how this word applies to someone else. You fill your minds and remember things that you should forget. Oh, our intellects, our faculties are certainly marred because we remember things that we should forget. Isn't it 
a, a real thing in all of us, that we should forget those things that are hurtful to us. But in fact, those things that are hurtful to us are the things that so often we remember so uh, more clearly. Those, those are the things that cling to our memories. Years down the line, we remember the, that harsh word or that, that harsh uh, thing that was done by someone. It stays with us for years on end. And yet the word that was preached just the, pre the previous day, the word of salvation, just slips out of your mind. You don't, you don't retain it. Someone said that the old wrongs are retained in our minds. We can remember old songs and old wrongs long enough. And we remember those things that are sinful. And yet we forget about the most important thing. Men and women everywhere forget about God. They forget about him. They choose to forget about him. They actively and intentionally choose not to hear the, and remember those things. And they actively replace the, the remembrance of God the remembrance that he is the creator, that he is the one that gives us breath and life, the remembrance that he is the one who we will stand before at the judgment day. Everyone knows this. The most fiercest of atheists in this world has a sense of justice. That is the greatest proof that there is no such thing as atheists. You see an atheist uh, has an injustice committed, committed against him. He, he cries foul. That is not fair. I demand justice. Why is it that you demand justice if we are all just star dust colliding with one another? That is the accusation in this passage that we actively, intentionally forget the Creator, willingly forget the Creator. This is not some kind of unintentional forgetfulness. This is proper forgetfulness. Oh, my friends, have you putting, been putting off God, forgetting about him actively and willingly and intentionally because you know that if you start thinking about him, you will have to change. You will have to Abandon your sins. You will have to stop loving the world that you love so much. Because you know that the consequences of God existing are too dire. Too dreadful. Because you know you are a sinner. I believe that everyone knows. It's one of those things that has been left by God in the, in the, in the brokenness of fallen humanity that is still there nagging at every single man and woman, every single man and woman in this world. That sense of sinfulness, that sense of the need to repent and to be pardoned. To some it is a, a remembrance that comes very, uh, very few and far between because they have done such a great job at forgetting about God and at keeping it at bay. But it is in every single person's heart that desire to be forgiven.
we forget about God. We forget that we will stand before him. When, what is one of the ways that mankind uh, is so apt at uh, casting aside God? They think about a different God. They think, well, if a God exists, he's not some kind of personal God. Is this kind of uh, divine energy. Uh, he's somewhere f- far away and far removed from us. I don't need to concern myself. That is a lie. You know in your heart, you know in your heart that there is a God who is very much involved and personal. That one day, every single one of us, you, me included, we will stand before this personal God and have to give an account for our lives. You will stand in the presence of God just as you are standing here in front of me right now. Not that I'm God. Don't, don't, don't take this illustration uh, to, or this, this analogy too far. You will stand in the presence of God just as you are standing here right now. Personally. Fully engaged. Fully aware. Fully conscious. You will stand before him. And you actively... Cast your mind away from that. You forget him as your creator, as the one who gives you life and breath. As Paul says, in him we have our being. In him we live and move. He is not far from any of us, from every one of us. He's a present, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise, and all-completely and holy God. Perhaps you even know of his grace. You've heard, you've heard the, 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 the message of grace before. The free grace of God in sending his only begotten son to the world to live and die a substitutionary life and death. How he was ra- risen from the dead on the third day. According to scripture. How he is now seated at the right hand of, of God the Father. Forever interceding on behalf of his people. But you don't want it do you? You don't want that grace. Because you're too proud. You have too much self-esteem than to bow down your knee and to humble yourself in the presence of God. You don't want that. Perhaps you love the world too much. Those sins, those things, and let me go from generalities to to maybe some particularities. Oh, you love too much uh, sensuality. You like those things you watch on on TV or perhaps even on your computer screen at night when no one's looking. You cannot do away with those things. No one's watching. It doesn't hurt anyone. You like money too much. You like the power too much. You want to grow in stature uh, and in influence in this world. You want to climb that corporate ladder. What good would it be? You will die. You will one day retire. What good would it be for you? Will it be for you that you 
managed to climb all those steps in the corporate ladder? What good would it be for you that you put off God so long? But alas, I have to say this as well. This is a sin not committed only by unbelievers. It is a sin that we so often as Christians fall into. Is anyone here too conceited in himself to say that they don't forget God? How do we forget God? Well, when we do very light of his word. When we have his word in our homes, but we don't want to read it. When we don't want to remember, as Malachi says, the law of Moses, my servant. We don't want to remember those things which I commanded him in Oreb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. As 2 Peter says, To Peter 1, verse 12 to 15. We don't want, this is letter written for, for Christians. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always, Peter says. To remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, as long as I am alive. There was what he's saying, to stir you up by reminding you. What does that say to us? That we are prone to forget. That we are so prone to cast aside. Just as the unbelievers do it all the days of their lives. We fall into those patterns again and again. Oh wretched man that I am. I forget about the goodness of God and his wonders that he has done. I forget about all the proofs of his love to me. Why is it that the Lord said do this in remembrance of me? With the Lord's Supper. If not there was a real. Present. Danger that Christians forget. That Christians cast aside. That we forget our duties. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. That we forget. Our obligations to God. Having been redeemed by him. That we forget. Our love for the church of God. Why is it that Christians are so easy now, so, so, so quick now to forget about the assembly of the saints? Because we think it, is, it doesn't matter. It's not really for me. I can just go a couple of uh, once a week or I can just go uh, whenever I please, I'm pleased to go. I can just go to this one church this week and that church the other week. I don't have to be in the proper fellowship and accountability of the saints. To be stirred up and to stir one another up. We forget about those things. So what is the hope? And I finish. I know I've gone a little bit uh, uh, past the point uh, that I should finish. But what is the hope for us? Well, brothers and sisters, my friends, I think the hope is contained in this verse. Although this passage this, uh, is so dark and grim uh, uh, to consider, there is always hope, even the mo in the most fiercest of judgments that God pronounces in this life. There is hope. What is the hope? Is that the sin that the people are committing here is actually the, 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 the soul-destroying sin, the soul-damning sin of forgetfulness is not so much that they forgot, but that they, they forgot days without number. 
What does this tell us about the hope? Well, if you would turn from your forgetfulness now, that's in such a way that it would make that those days that you have been forgetful would be numbered, there is hope. Because God will forgive. Because God will forget your sins. But alas, if you carry on forgetting days without number until that day that you will stand before him, there is no hope. But the hope is there for those who repent of their sins. But if you sin, you abide in the sin of forgetfulness, days without number, for the rest of your life, you will, you will perish in your sins. While there is time, I pray, I plead with you that you would remember the Creator, that you would cast it to the forward of your mind, that you would act upon it, and not, uh, not to cast it aside, but to seek His face. Those that come to Him, He will in no wise cast out. Put it aside no more. Remember the fact that one day, if you don't want to remember... <laughs> Remember the fact that you have a soul and one day your soul will be before the God of all the universe and will have to give an account. Remember that. And believers, brothers and sisters, remember what the, the words of the Apostle Paul. You see, we often think about being saved as a one-off kind of attitude. But in the Bible, being saved is a, a continuum. We have been saved and we are being saved and we will be saved to the uttermost. What does Paul say? By which also you are saved. If you hold fast, here is just a synonym to remember. I believe the AV, the King James Version, uh, if you remember that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. So brothers and sisters, hold fast. Remember the words that I preached to you. Not me only, but the words that you have heard and read and meditated upon from the word of God. That's what saves you. It's that remembrance. That constant coming to the fountain of all cleansing and being washed anew. Because even if you forget for half an hour, as Spurgeon said, it is half an hour too long. Oh, but how desperate and how how tragic it is to forget for the rest of your life. To cast actively, intentionally forget about him for the rest of your life. May the, God, may the Lord give us grace to remember him.